Hi. Happy birthday. That's right. Thank you. One woo. That's right. We can put our hands together for a birthday. If this is your first day with us, you picked a very uh, interesting Sunday to join us. We don't normally have 47-foot-tall slides, inflatable slides on our lawn, although we might need to reconsider that. But uh, today's our birthday. It's our sixth birthday here as a church. And if you are never been a part of a faith tradition that celebrates a church's birthday, uh, it's actually evolved for us over the years, at least for me. I don't know if for those of you who have been with us from the beginning, maybe this has always been the way that you've approached it, but uh, it's kind of like an infant. You know, for the first couple of years, you're just trying to keep it alive because you don't know what you're doing, right? You're just, just as long as, you know, the next day comes, you're like, okay, like we're in a good place. And then, you know, around three or four you're like, okay, I think the survival is secured, and now I'm just trying to manage the chaos, right? You're just like chasing the kid around. Some of you are in that phase right now where it's just like you turn your back, and the next thing you know, like something is destroyed. That has kind of been what has happened over the last couple of years. And then at some point, and this is kind of the place I'm at now, around the fifth, sixth birthday, like you kind of get your arms around the whole thing. You're like, oh, okay, okay. Like, now, who is this kid going to be? And you start to, like, think about your wishes and your hopes, and you start to notice the aspects and the details of their personality and their sense of humor and kind of some of the peculiarities that they have and the ways that they are. And you start to notice some of the ways that you're glad that they're like you. And then you start to notice some of the ways that you regret and will have to pay for therapy later because of the ways that they're like you. You know, and so you start to kind of work through and reconcile all those things. And so as we stand here on our sixth birthday, that's really kind of what I come with is this idea of like, gosh, who does God want us to continue to be? You know, we're going to survive. We're going to see the next day. That's secured. But now, like, who do we get to become? And so today is really a celebration of all of God's faithfulness for the past six years. And then... It's an acknowledgement that God's going to continue to be faithful for the next six. And what does that look like for us to live into it? I, uh, I have this picture that somebody gave me when we first opened. And I apologize if you're here this morning and this was your gift because I don't even remember who gave this to me. Uh, but what it is, is it's a photo of the floor that you're sitting on. Now, if you were a part of our launch team six years ago, what we did before we opened this worship space and before we put all of this flooring down is we invited our families to come and to write prayers and to write scriptures and to write notes on the floor. And then we covered it up with flooring. And so you were literally sitting on a foundation of prayer and scripture. And someone thought to take a photo of this one little image and it's I think a child has done this based on the handwriting. And if it was your handwriting and you're not a child, again, I apologize. Um, yeah, I really apologize. But it's a little heart, and it says, For God so loved the grove. And try hard. Uh, and that, that's all I can think about on this birthday is, gosh, God has really loved this church. And God has been so faithful to this church. And God has been so faithful to those of us who call this place home. And it is just an incredible blessing 
uh, and gift to get to be a pastor here. I, I know that Allie shares that with me. Like I, we feel like the luckiest people on earth that we get to be pastors a part of this. It's like, I don't know what we did to deserve it. I don't, I don't feel deserving of it to get to be a part of something so special and so cool. And I was reading earlier this week and an author said that you get to a point in your life in age and in spiritual formation when the vocabulary of your spirituality is reduced to these three words or these three phrases. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's where I'm at this morning. Just to God, to each of you, to my team, to all of the people who volunteer and to give and make this church what it is today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's amazing to see where God has taken us. For those of you who are with us from the very beginning, you have seen a lot of changes. You've seen a lot of changes in kind of our staff. You've seen a lot of changes in this facility. We still have this beautiful portable building on our property. You've seen a lot of changes in terms of kind of the way that we understand what it means to be a church. You have seen me go through some really bad haircuts. I mean, whew, there was a period there where it was rough, but uh, I think we're in a better place today. At least my wife likes it, so that's all that matters. But what I want to talk about this morning is where we, where we go next, because Celebrating a birthday is important, and it's important for all that we've done and where all the places that we've been. But as we look to the future and think about who we're going to become, it's not going to be enough to just celebrate another year. It's not going to be enough to just turn seven 365 days from now. Because, as we all know, for the most part, getting older is relatively easy. For a lot of us, we're actually trying to avoid the inevitability of getting older, or at least the effects of getting older. And so what my hope and wish for us as a church as we move to the future is not that we get older, but rather it's something more significant that doesn't necessarily come with age, but if we treat this next year and the coming years well, I think does come. And so I want to pose it as a question for us this morning. After six years, have we grown more mature or have we simply grown older? After six years, have we grown more mature or simply grown older? You can ask that for yourself as well, for your family, for your marriage, for your children. Because as a church, we, if we continue to get older, but we don't continue to gain in maturity, we have missed, I think, what God is calling us towards. Over the last six years, I have wrestled a lot with kind of how to lead a congregation and what the vision and the mission of the church is supposed to be in our specific context. And for so long, I was plagued by this. Well, it's just got to be big because big means successful and successful means good. And so let's be big. And so I said, let's split the two services. And then that didn't work. And so we had to kind of come back to one service and and so sometimes the efforts were misguided and misdirected because the goal was just to kind of like get older and bigger. But I think hopefully in, as I've 
become older and hopefully wiser and more mature, I recognize that I think what God wants for this church more than anything else is maturity. And for parents, you see this in your children. Maturity in the sense that they start to understand how to navigate life. And they start to apply wisdom to their circumstances and to their situations. You know, when they're small, they start to learn not to run out into the street, not just because they're going to get in trouble, but because they start to have a better understanding of how the world works and cause and effect, and they start to apply wisdom to that specific context and circumstance. They, oh, no, that, that's dangerous because the cars, as they come, and so I need to avoid, and now I can help other people avoid going out into the street, a younger sibling or a dog or whatever it may be, right? I think the same is true for us. I think the goal for us as a congregation, I believe, is God desires spiritual maturity, that what we do here isn't just something that happens in the 60 minutes that we gather on Sunday mornings, but it's something that impacts the other 167 hours of our week. It's an inner transformation that begins to take hold and to change our life because it's changed our hearts. And because it's changed our hearts, we can't help but let it come out of us. And so to kind of guide us through what this spiritual maturity looks like that I think God desires for us in the coming years. I want to look at a passage of scripture that Paul writes to a church in Philippi. This is, in kind of Paul's terms, his favorite church. This is a church that he started almost a decade before he writes this letter. And he writes to them just one out of a depth of appreciation and gratitude. Again, he kind of starts his letter like, thank you, thank you, thank you. But then he says, you know, there's more for us than just acknowledging God's faithfulness and goodness over the past however many years. And he calls them, I think, to the same calling that God has for us as a congregation. And so this comes out of Philippians chapter 1. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I thank my God every time I remember you. Go back a slide. Yep. And all of my prayers for all of you. Again, as maturity grows, gratitude increases in equal measure. I do not think that you can be a spiritually mature person and not be immensely grateful for all the things in your life. And in fact, that's probably one of the easiest litmus tests for spiritual maturity. Like how much gratitude do I have? Not just for favorable circumstances or situations, but how grateful am I for all of the difficult moments and all of the things that don't turn out the way that I want because I know that even in the midst of that, God is still present and God is still working. And so he goes on to say, listen, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. What Paul is talking about here is this church has been supportive of his ministry and not out of their abundance, but he writes in other letters about this congregation in Philippi. And he says, listen, many of them are navigating poverty, but yet they're immensely generous to Paul's work in trying to spread the gospel and plant new churches. And I think the same is true for us. We have a lot of people here this morning who have been a partner in this from the very beginning. In fact, if you... If you were here in that first year, 
Would you raise your hand this morning? You were here in that first year. It's so cool. It's so cool. And I know we have some people who are a part of the original Schreiber congregation, and you're here this morning as well. And we are such beneficiaries of your faithfulness for the 50 years that you were a congregation. And so Paul says, listen, I'm grateful because you've been with us from the very beginning. And for those of you who have joined the Grove along the way, you're included in this. From the moment that you became a member, from the moment that you started to participate in the ministries, Paul says, listen, you get included in all of the acknowledgement. And then he goes on to say, listen, you've been a partner, but there is still more for us. It's not just an acknowledgement of what God has done, an acknowledgement of our efforts to this point thus far. But he says, there's more. He says, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, the work that Paul's talking about, I think, is twofold, and I think it's appropriate for our context this morning because he's talking about the work of the church, the work of spreading the gospel, of interacting with people and introducing to them the message of Jesus Christ. That's the same work that we're a part of. No church should have a different mission statement in the whole world. They have these consultants that you can hire to come in and like help your church navigate like their mission statement. And I've always struggled with that because I'm like, this, it's, the same, it's the same goal. It's the same like mission from day one. It's how do you share and introduce people to the gospel? And Paul's saying, listen, I'm confident that God is going to continue the work through you of helping people come to know Jesus Christ. And God is doing a work inside each one of us. There's a collective work that God is doing through us, but there's also a spiritual formation that God is doing inside of each of us. And I think that if you were to kind of plot the grove in the landscape of all of the other churches, I think one of the things that makes us more distinct is the emphasis that we place on that transformative aspect of the Christian faith. It's not something that you need to know in knowledge only. It's not this golden ticket that gets you to heaven when you die only, but rather it's a process that makes you more like Jesus. It's something that begins to change the way that you think about every aspect of your life. And to me, this is one of the most remarkable things that I've seen over the last six years, is the transformation that I have seen in your lives as you have learned to live more and more and more like Jesus. For some of you, it has been a radical transformation. You know, the difference between change and transformation is change is adding something new. But transformation is letting something old fall away. And I think that's what allows us to continue to mature as individuals and mature as a congregation because of the work that God is doing inside of us. The way that we think differently about what we value and what we prioritize, the way that we think differently about our finances and the way that we live generous lives, the way that we think about how we schedule our time and how we interact with our loved ones, how we lead our organizations and places of business. I see the way that you are trying to apply this information and this knowledge and this wisdom into all of your context. And like we said before, that's the definition of maturity. 
is applying wisdom to your circumstances and your context and your situations. And I think this is what is so amazing to see. And so the encouragement for all of us this morning is to keep going because God's going to see it to completion. He's not done with us. He's got something more for us. And all we have to do is continue to trust in God and continue to live this out each and every day. And then kind of later in this same passage, Paul just shares a prayer. And he says, this is my prayer for you. Knowing that God's trying to complete something in you and through you. Here's my prayer. And this would be my prayer for us as a church as well. Because he begins to unpack some of the details and the aspects of what it means to be mature. He says, this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. For some of you, this has been one of the most profound ways that this church has impacted your life. You love differently than you've ever loved before. You're more patient. You're more gracious. You're more trusting. You're more forgiving. You're more generous. All of these are manifestations of love. And that's the goal of the Christian project, right? To encounter and experience the love of God. To let it transform our hearts and then allow it to come out into our lives so that we begin to love as God through Christ loved us. That's it. And so what Paul is saying is like my prayer for you is that you just continue to love more and better and fuller and to love well. It's not more complicated than that. Now, it's challenging and there are people and circumstances in our life that make loving hard. But this is what we're after as a congregation, to continue to explore and to find ways that our love can abound, both in knowledge and in depth of insight, that we can grow in our understanding of who Christ is calling us to be and how we can live lives that begin to mirror that. And the stories that I hear from you, the ways that God is using you, in the context of this church and the ways that then you take what you are learning and experiencing here and apply it to your circumstances, to your places of business, to your families, is remarkable. And my prayer is that we would just continue. Paul goes on in his prayer for the church. He says, my prayer is that you'll grow in your understanding of how to love and to love well so that you may be able to discern what is best and that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This idea of being able to discern what is best is the essence of maturity, is it not? To know how to engage and interact with every situation and circumstance and individual that we come across. Okay, here's how I love them well. And that is the test of our love, right? Is loving people that are difficult to love. Loving in moments that are hard to express our love. Allowing the love to manifest in our life in situations where it's like, ooh, money's a little tight this year. How am I going to continue to be generous in spite of it? Mm, my boss is really challenging and unkind and unfair in moments. What are ways that I can continue to show up and to love well and to love better those around me, including my boss? A tough time in my relationship. How do I acknowledge what's mine 
And how do I begin to forgive and to heal and to move forward? All of these are ways that we begin to discern what is best so that our lives begin to take on the character of Christ. I think so often Christianity kind of gets framed as like, here's this list of things that you just shouldn't do. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And maybe you grew up in a church like that. And they were kind of always ready to like zap you when you kind of misstepped. I think the focus is wrong in that instance. When you focus on avoiding all of the bad things that you're not supposed to be doing, who's the focus on in that circumstance and situation? It's on you, right? But I think what Christ and what Paul is calling us to is when you begin to rethink the way that you love others and rethink the way that you grow in your depth and understanding of how to love well, who's the focus on? It's not you. It's on the people around you. It's on the circumstances that you find yourself in. That means when you're with a group of friends, you avoid gossip and cutting people and talking down about them, right? Because that's not loving well. When you're in a circumstance at work and you have some people who are like, you know what, no one's going to know if we kind of fudge this or we, you know, obfuscate this and they're not going to really be able to catch us in it. You're like, no, that's not, that's not what it means to live in the example of Christ. It's not avoiding doing the bad thing, but it's thinking about the ways that love is supposed to manifest out of your life. This is what Paul is calling us towards and I think this is where we're supposed to move as a church is how do we become more spiritually mature. And then Paul ends his prayer with this. He says, the goal is that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And ultimately, right? The healthiest trees are not the trees that grow fastest. In fact, there's actually a kind of a function and feature of densely canopied forests that they intentionally only allow about 20% of the sunlight to come through down to the forest floor, which creates a natural governor for all of the younger plants and trees that are trying to grow. If there was big openings in the canopy, these trees, would they grow and they'd shoot up too fast and they wouldn't have the necessary root systems that would anchor them well and allow them to support themselves and circumstances with difficult you know, temperatures and difficult you know, weather and wind and all of the things. They also wouldn't be able to access the nutrients that they need to produce fruit. No, the canopy only allows about 20% of the sunlight to come through so that these trees take their time and they grow slow, but they begin to mature. They have a balance in their root system kind of like we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, they are well-rooted, that allows them to bear fruit. And this is my hope and prayer for us as a church, is that we would continue to bear more and more fruit. But the only way to do that is if we continue to grow in maturity. We continue to allow God to transform our hearts. This isn't a process that we just can try a little harder at. But it actually means letting go and trusting the work of the Holy Spirit that's already begun in us and desiring more the work of the Holy Spirit that's at work in each one of us. One of my favorite authors, he's a Catholic theologian, his name is Ronald Rollheiser. 
he describes kind of the second half of life. He talks about this first phase of discipleship, which is basically essential discipleship. And he says kind of when you're young, you think about discipleship and following Jesus as all of the things that you're not supposed to do. And kind of like getting your life in order and organized and avoiding mistakes. And he said that's kind of the natural process and formation. But he says you reach a place And for all of us, we reach it in a different place. Sometimes it's in our 30s. Sometimes it's in our 40s or 50s. And sometimes, you know, we're late to the party and it's in our 60s or 70s or 80s. But he says, eventually, as we continue to grow in Christ and in our own formation, we get to a place of mature spirituality. And this is how he describes it. He says, at that point, the fundamental struggle in our life changes, even though it may take years for us to consciously realize and accept this. Our question then is no longer, how do I get my life together? Rather it becomes, how do I give my life away more deeply, more generously, and more meaningfully? And that's his definition of Christian maturity. When we stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about our lives as a conduit to give more deeply, more generously, and more meaningfully. The most mature fruit trees produce an abundance of fruit that allow them to give deeply, generously, and more meaningfully. And church, this is my prayer for us in this coming year, that as we gather 365 days from now and celebrate our seventh year, that we would not just be another year older, but that we would be more mature, that we would understand what it means to love more deeply, more generously, and more meaningfully. And so I hope that you'll join us on that journey that you'll continue to invest your time and your efforts and your resources and your attention to the ministries of the church, that you'll participate in the ministries and the functions of the church because it's only together that this happens. In two weeks, we go down to serve at the men of Nehemiah. This is another opportunity for us to give more deeply, more generously, and more meaningfully. And so if it is not on your calendar yet, put it on your calendar. Make it a priority. I know that this means sacrifices. I know that this means that you don't get to spend your time in all of the ways that it might feel better to spend your time. I understand that you got to wake up on Sunday mornings when you'd much rather sleep in and come. And the life that is on the other side of this is deeper and more generous and more meaningful than any other life that you're going to find. I promise, I promise, I promise. And so I can't see, can't wait to see what God does in each one of us and through us in this next year. Friends, will you join me in prayer? Gracious and heavenly Father, it is you who are the giver of all blessings in life. God, help us to recognize all of the ways that you have been faithful all of the ways that you have been with us and working in us and providing for us ahead of us. God, help us to recognize that you are calling us to a greater spiritual maturity, not just another year older, 
but to be wiser and more mature in a way that allows our love to manifest in depth and generosity and meaningfulness. So God draws closer together as a church, resource and equip us for more ministry and continue to work in us and do it again and again and again. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen.